You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Martin Lee, and this is the Autosport Podcast. Max Verstappen cruised to an easy victory at the Japanese Grand Prix, and Red Bull tied up this year's Formula One Constructors Championship as they congratulated Max on the radio afterwards to say that you've won us the Constructors. He really did, because it was one to forget for teammate Sergio Perez, who retired the car twice. We'll get into that. The McLaren were made up. Lando Norris second and Oscar Piastri third. They were second and third on the grid, but in opposite uh, reverse positions, I should say. Charles Leclerc coming home fourth. Lewis Hamilton will be happy with fifth and splitting the two Ferraris. Carlos Sainz with George Russell in between them and uh, Fernando Alonso in eighth and his Aston Martin. Then the two Alpines of Ocon and Gasly, ninth and tenth. I'm Martin Lee and I'm joined by our Grand Prix editor Alex Kalanorkas, our editor of Autosport.com, Hayden Cobb, and our man in Japan is Philip Clearan. Uh, Phil, you've been there a little bit longer than normal. You flew out just a little bit earlier than we normally get to races. Is that just to enjoy a few days soaking up Japanese culture? What's it like covering Suzuka? My wife is responsible for part of that because when she found out I was going to Japan, she was like, there's no way you're going without me. And so what we've done is we've sort of made a little vacation around it. So we got here a few days early, explored Kyoto. Then I am... Um, she explored Nagoya by herself where we are staying and then I commuted to the race and then we'll have a few days in Tokyo. So, yeah, a nice little work and a business combination, I'd say. That sounds so nice that we get you get to do that as part of your job as well. So cool. Let's talk about today's Grand Prix and Max Verstappen, Phil, made it look so easy. Yes, he set a fastest lap quicker than anybody else of over a second. No, you can't do another... 40 of those laps at that pace. But it showed that he he was managing, he had stuff in hand. McLarens were managing as well. They had some pace in hand, probably Norris more than Piastri. But let's talk about the race win and Max Verstappen. And, it, you mean, Phil, that just goes to show that last weekend and all the people on the internet that goes, oh, the technical, technical directives caught Red Bull cheating. Well, that put paid to that because they're back on top. What do you think of the result today? Yeah, what an emphatic answer, isn't it? It's... Uh... 
shocking how, how quick Max was this weekend. Just from the first practice session onwards, he just always looked a class above any tie compound. Didn't matter. Um, I think his pearl lap yesterday was just spectacular, especially through the S's. Just hooked up perfectly. Didn't have the best start, but kept the lead. And then from that point onwards, it was never really in doubt. It was. It's funny because obviously you mentioned Singapore and you mentioned the technical directive. People were speculating about that. And actually, Christian Horner, Steam Boss, had a, a funny anecdote when we spoke to him after the race. He said he was playing paddle with Max on, I think it was Wednesday, so here in Japan after Singapore. And Max said he was, uh, Christian said he was so fired up that Max told Horner he was going to win the race by 20 seconds. And I think he won by, what, 19 points, something? So he was yeah, pretty much bang on. But yeah, he, it just shows that whether it's the TD, whether it's just losing the streak, I'm not sure what it was, but he was really on a mission to set the record straight this weekend. We've seen it this year, Alex. Verstappen didn't get the best start of everybody on the grid, but he got a good enough start. And he had to defend from Piastri on the inside going into turn one. And Norris made a great start and uh, and was going to go around the outside, but just couldn't find that purchase, that traction that he needed. I did think that Verstappen and Piastri were lined up perfectly. If they wanted to do some sort of recreation of Prost and Senna, that would have been a good moment. But uh, these, these young drivers are far too professional to... Uh, uh, to to lose points, Verstappen's on a massive winning streak. Uh, what is it? Thirty five, not winning, but a streak. Thirty five consecutive race finishes, second longest behind, Ham- behind Hamilton. He managed the restart after that early safety car, off and away, wouldn't he? Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's as you it's, it's covering a lot of ground. You and Phil have already covered. It's the perfect response to all the TD conspiracy theory nonsense. It was always going to be an amazing track for the Red Bull. I mean, you go and look at that qualifying lap yesterday. I mean, not for me to say whether it's one of the greatest qualifying laps of all time, as I know the Red Bull people are very keen to highlight, but it's absolutely tremendous. Like, it, the car could not have been designed better for this place. And we said that on the podcast last week, you know. Um, but yeah, it, the, the only sort of down moment was the start. And even that, Max Verstappen, Max verstappen it, basically. So I think both, both the uh, McLaren drivers get better starts. Um, Piastri then has almost an identical thing to Verstappen, which is too much wheel spin in sort of the second phase. Norris absolutely nails it absolutely perfectly. And he's the on course to take the lead around the outside of turn two. No breaking at turn one. So turn two is the key point. And Verstappen goes, absolutely not. No way you're coming through here. And I think any other driver, Lando probably takes the lead from him. But it's, it was it was just like last year with Charles Leclerc in the wet. Verstappen was like, no, this is not happening. Okay, I'm coming by and I'm disappearing off into the distance. And uh, Phil was absolutely right to to, to highlight the uh, the FP1 session. Right, I was covering that um, from London so that our colleague Jake Boxall Leg could go trackside during FP1, do various little jobs he needs to do with uh, assessing the car. It's what I do when I'm uh, I'm uh, at a race and JBL's back in London. And Max not only led the field out of the pits. He did about four flying laps when he changed tyres midway through. Each one lowered the benchmark by a little bit. And he was miles ahead and he stayed ahead all weekend. And it really was statement driving. And well done to him. Alex, you are at so many of those races and you do see Red Bull up close and personal, not just the drivers and the team managers, but you, you know, you get to see everybody that's part of this massive team effort. What do you think that's so special about Red Bull, Alex, that is, that's given them this Constructors' Championship so early in the season? Design team. 
led by Adrian Newey, Pierre Vache. It's just pure harmony of car and they have the best driver. And I think um, Christian Horner said, I think we could be leading the Constructors' Championship with either driver if it was just like a one-car team. Still think Sergio Perez would be losing you a Constructors' Championship if that was the case, Christian. But yeah, it's, it's the combination of the best design, which all the rest are now scrambling to copy. And unfortunately, with the way things work in Formula One, the long lead times, the you know time it takes to fully understand the science and the engineering behind these designs, it's going to be very, very, very hard for any one team to catch up. Based on what I've seen this season, though, is McLaren not making itself a candidate to be that team? It's gone from being one of the worst cars on the grid at the start of the season to easily the second best here the second best at silverstone you know i know form fluctuates because of the way it's designed and the, and the different circuit types but lando norris finished second in singapore when he was woeful in belgium like they the, the high downforce tracks are not are not scary for mclaren anymore so yeah red bull might be doing unbelievably amazing things but mclaren's got the form and the pedigree to show it might be able to catch it up i mean can you trust ferrari and mercedes to with their claims that they're going to be back in the championship next year after what they failed to do over 2022 to 2023. You know, Lando said it on the radio, we're coming for Red Bull. And and mm. on the evidence, they're the ones who look like they might be doing the catching up. Impressive in a cost cap era, isn't it? I mean, that they, Very much they, so. that's impressive to do. Hayden, sorry to get so long to get to you. What do you think of Verstappen today and, and Red Bull's achievement? Ah, so no, no worries at all. I've been happy to, to listen to you all. Uh, apart from echoing what you've all just said, there's not much much to add. Yeah, just a near well, perfect weekend from Verstappen. I think it was only Q2 he didn't top out of the every single session. Uh, Leclerc nicks that one from him, but not that it really mattered in the grand scheme of things. Um, and, and yeah, what what else is there to say about Verstappen and Red Bull? Just a, that that car and that driver is a marriage made in heaven. And, and it's been that case, with obviously the exception of Singapore, pretty much all season. Um Perez, on the other hand, less so. And I very much agree with what Alex has just said in terms of the constructors' uh, situation and, and if a team does actually get it together for next season. Because, yeah, I mean, what a, another shocker f- from Perez. There's no real way around it. I mean, it was worse than Singapore. It was, it was yeah, way yeah. worse. Perez went, what, through two different, three front wings today, retired the car twice because he picked up. And that was it. I thought it was impressive of Red Bull's strategists to work out after they'd already retired the car and he was out of the car hang on you know because in in these sort of old days inverted commas uh, you know a car would then kind of go out and almost do like a glorified test session or you try something not you know not all the time but some teams have done that in the past but they put him back in the car did a lap stayed out of people's way sort of on the pace ish did a pit stop served their penalty came back in and that avoids a penalty out in in qatar it's within the rules is it within the spirit of the rules i would argue the spirit of the rules does not exist in formula one. Oh, so sorry yeah that- my bad my bad <laughs> no i mean if if you know it was quick and clever thinking by red bull if that's how you avoid a penalty then absolutely you will always do that so no, that was fine. I mean, no problem with that. Sure, it looked it looked a bit odd, but you know, the damage was clearly done way before. I do have some sympathy mitigating circumstances, maybe because um, apart from obviously damaging his his front wing at the start when uh, he made contact with Lewis, um, maybe there was some more damage to the car. Checo said afterwards that you know the front end just didn't work properly anymore. So maybe that was a mitigating circumstance in the Magnussen incident still i don't think that move was ever on it's just one of those classic um trying to compensate for a mistake and then making another mistake in the process 
and it just completely spiraled out of control. When your teammate is doing all these magical things with the, the same car, it's just not a great look, is it? So I think, uh, Martin, what you're saying earlier about what makes Red Bull so good, this is this is the other element of it, is that they are on top of everything. Like, you very rarely see any operational errors from the, the, the mechanics, the pit stops, things like that. The strategies pretty much always spot on occasionally get things wrong when it comes to, to setup. Obviously, Singapore was uh, an extreme example of that, but we've seen it, you know, with sort of certain tyres and certain track types over the last couple of years. But with the advantage they have at the moment, it doesn't really matter if things aren't on a sort of Singapore level. But the getting Perez back in the race to serve the penalty is is genius in terms of, yeah, feels right. If it's not, if he it says it's like, if it's not in the rules to say you can't do that, you do it. The flip side of that is, I think they should change the rules to outline that, to, sorry, to outlaw that because, how is that justice for Kevin Magnussen? Like, I feel I get the point about mitigating circumstances, the damaged car in the turn one chaos when no one was really at fault. It sort of starts with Leclerc moving a little bit, then Sainz, then Perez, then Hamilton's on the outside. It's just one of those things. I thought it was pretty shocking that the stewards even decided they were looking at it because that's the very definition of that whole let them race turn one thing that there was going on about. Thankfully, they were like, nah, there's nothing to really look at. Unfortunate for Perez, but... Also, again, in, this, in the stewards' uh, 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 um, explanation of why he got a penalty for the Magnussen shunt, they called it predominantly his fault. I mean, what on earth do they think Kevin Magnussen could have done differently? Apart, He's apart so from taking far the ahead. racing line. Like, he yeah, just what, he's supposed to make line. his car sort of like a ghost on the game, right? That Perez can just drive through to make up for his catastrophic error? Like, it's, this doesn't make any sense at all. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, just just a, just a terrible um, um, weekend for, for Perez. Qualifying was awful as well. The massive gap to Verstappen in a car that we've said is pretty much designed to be good around this track. Shocking. Um, and again, it's what I explained on the Singapore podcast, that like this frustration doesn't come because we don't like Perez. It's because it's his, in, his, it's his inadequacy compared to Max Verstappen that is making Formula One boring at the front. Like... Singapore was a way better weekend because there was a race between different teams for the victory. Verstappen was gone. He totally crushed this weekend and congratulations to him. But that was really boring. And we need Perez. We need someone else in that Red Bull to make things interesting. And sorry, just my last point going back to changing the rules and I've chopped a bit back and forth. It can't be right that Perez basically get, okay, I know he, he you know, damaged his own car even further and is retired, but that's shocking that that's allowed. Like there's, an, the, the, I think the, the, the stewarding decisions of late are a massive talking point because not only did they get it wrong when it came to Verstappen impeding in Singapore that they've openly admitted to, to the teams, they recommend changing the rules so that people can't go slowly in the pit lane as Verstappen did, although that was perfectly fine. And uh, this series of five second penalties for massive incidents. Again, let's talk about Sergio Perez. Alex Albon in Singapore. It didn't matter that he basically put him in the wall because he got only five seconds. James Vowles is right to be furious about that. There's no, there's no real justice. And I know we can't be doing like penalising the outcome of incidents rather than the incidents themselves, but there's got to be a bigger range of penalties that the stewards can give because George Russell um, talked to our colleague Adam Cooper, right, Phil, in, in the paddock today. And he referenced Austin last year where he biffed Carlos Sainz around and into retirement. And George is like, yeah, that was pretty much a drive-through penalty, but they only gave me five seconds and that's what they do. Like, this is, you know, we we want, it's, it's a hard task for the stewards, I get it. You want that sort of, let them race, let it be tough and fair and interesting. But also you can't have sort of egregious, bad moves and crashes not being punished properly. It works both ways as well. It works against the smaller teams, but it also works sort of 
for the big teams is if Max Verstappen gets a five-second penalty, who cares, right? He can he could have had four of them today almost, and he would have still won the race. So he could also get away with penalties that aren't really penalties. Yeah, it's it's not a perfect system by any means, and Alex is completely right. It's definitely something that you have to look into, but it's not on the stewards. They can not only apply the rules as they are written at the moment. I also feel like I probably need to justify earlier this year. So after Azerbaijan, you know, we got a, I got a degree of pushback from Perez fans saying that, you know, on the podcast, on the videos you make, you don't give him enough credit because he's going to drive Verstappen to the World Championship all the way to Abu Dhabi and it's, you know, Perez can win this one. And so immediately after that, I think I probably had a bias to just making sure that I was watching the Perez performances really carefully. And because they were bad... I was highlighting them and saying, hang on, he's not in the contention for a world championship here. And now I just kind of feel sorry for him because he's 177 points behind his teammate. Uh, like That's more points than Fernando Alonso scored all season. And that's the difference to his teammate, which is just, I mean, the pressure on Perez must be crazy. Here's a question. I'll give it to all of you, actually. Here's a, cause it's, it's a fun discussion to end before we get into McLaren. Little wager, almost. Do you think Red Bull and AlphaTauri, that have confirmed lineups now for 2024, Ricardo Sonoda, will end 2024 with the same lineup it start? Both teams start with. I mean, I'm not normally a betting man, and I don't know <laughs> where, where the odds go or what you want to give me there in terms of that. But it's a fair question. I think, yeah. I mean, I, I don't have sympathy for Perez in terms of he's an incredibly well-paid, famous, and successful uh, Formula One driver. In the best team, arguably this is the highlight of his life and his career right now. So, yes, he's having a bad time of it, but in the grand scheme of life, I think he'll be all right. <laughs> he'll be okay. Um, but I do appreciate you being sympathetic to his to his hopes. Um, yeah, in terms of next year, and as you say, the whole dynamic is now from Perez's side. Yeah, he just needs. I know he's been through this. I think a couple of times already, but it's like a mental reset. Or just try and dial himself into to this car better. That's clearly something that's... I mean, even if he can't match for snap and closing that gap is, is sort of the bare minimum that's required. And then in due process, avoiding these issues because, again, you, you go back to qualifying. Yes, OK, he made Q3, but I think almost around 50% of races this season he has not made Q3. And therefore, he already starts on the back foot. And that's sort of where these, these knock-on effects happen. He should have been on the front row for this race. He started, what was it, fourth, therefore gets tangled up with Hamilton and others in, in okay, not quite the midfield, but gets involved in these incidents. Therefore, he has to pit, getting, gets trying to, he's trying to do another drive through the pack, knows he's got the faster car, doesn't have the patience to avoid these mistakes and so on and so forth. And that is largely the story of his season from, yeah, post-Azerbaijan onwards. So in terms of where he is and where he is for 2024, he just needs... It doesn't really matter what happens over the, the course of these final six rounds for this season in terms of results. He just needs to put in the performances, which is largely what Horn has been saying pretty much since the summer. And that sort of stays their way. And, and again, say if he has a good start to next season, which could feasibly, it's obviously happened in the last couple of years, it sort of then gets forgotten about and maybe not. But if he has a similar uh, sort of the performances are similar to uh, the end of this season as they are will be to the end of sorry the start of next season. Yeah, he, he will be under a huge amount of pressure because Red Bull, as we know, aren't afraid of making 
mid-season changes if if they need to. And 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 as we've sort of said on previous pods, if McLaren or Mercedes or Ferrari or whoever get a package together where they can fight for the constructors or the drivers, like the, the Red Bull are going to need both drivers at the front getting regular wins and podiums. So yeah, it's it, if things stay as they are now in sort of six to nine months time there's absolutely no reason why you couldn't see them making a change but it's it is ultimately still all in in Perez's hands in making these improvements he has sort of had 12 months to do it and hasn't achieved it successfully yet but his time is you would you you would have to say his time is 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 on his side in terms of months and (laughs) opportunities but they are going to start dwindling the longer it continues particularly going into 2024. I'll remind our listeners that Honda money will go away as uh, Red Bull get in bed with Ford. Less pressure on Sonoda being in a seat. Anyway, Alex, same question to you. Do those two teams end 24 with the same lineup as they start with? I, I think Red Bull definitely do. I can't see them making a mid-season change. They didn't do it. You know, I don't know they did it with Gasly and, and Albon, but it was sort of different circumstances. They weren't in a commanding position at the head of the field. And, you know, I think Red Bull theoretically, as much as I would like to see as I've already picked them up, McLaren make the gap. I think McLaren, I think Red Bull have enough in hand to comfortably win the titles next year. There's got, it's got to take a lot to see in testing in the early races next year to make me change my mind on that. And then Alpha Tauri, I mean, yeah, it, that, that's anybody's guess really who who finishes the season in that lineup. But what I would like to see Red Bull do is get Liam Lawson, Logan Sargent's Williams seat. I think that would tick boxes for everyone really presumably that would then stop AlphaTauri being able to suddenly change its lineup because who you know uh, um, uh, Lawson would be locked into the Williams seat but that's the sort of theoretical thing um I just yeah just with Perez I mean Horner said it this this race has exactly exposed the problem with Perez and why we were saying it Martin around Baku time around the time Perez was looking good wait till we get to the high speed tracks because there you will see Max Verstappen run away with it. And he did exactly that, right? Horner said it. It's the high speed corners where Perez cannot cope with Verstappen. He cannot get to the same level. He cannot get anywhere near close to what the car is capable of doing because he actually started fifth. Like it's so, it's so bad in terms of just, we can see how how good that car should be able to get. Um, But yeah, the the, the other thing uh, with Perez, I I think, I genuinely think he'll start next season really strongly. I think he'll be fantastic in Jeddah. I think he'll be brilliant in Baku. And there's only something like two or three races in Baku. He's not been on the podium. Like it will, it will come again. Uh, And then, yeah, I think I, I, if I were a betting man, Martin, I would, I would say, uh, which I'm very much not. I think it's appalling. Um, but uh, uh, I would say it'll be a Lando, uh, Lando Norris, Max Verstappen 2025 lineup. That's what I would, that's what I could see Red Bull doing rather than. I mean, promote, that is an promoting. unbelievable lineup, isn't it? Yeah. So, would, would Verstappen yeah. accept it? Don't know. But that, that is what I would, could see them doing more likely than promoting drivers. It clearly doesn't really have a lot of faith in because, again, the Lawson thing, what else is he going to do? And they're still like, nah, you can't have a seat. I mean, he's done everything perfectly that he had to do until this weekend. Very raced fast and respectfully. This weekend, when it was looking like Ricardo could return for Qatar, and he may well be back in Austin actually to make sure he's properly recovered. Lawson took a few more risks, raced a little bit harder, but he didn't biff anybody off, or or, or you know, he was racing with his teammate. So what I'm getting at is he raced very fair and hard with his teammate and came out on top as well in that the first lap or two. I mean, what else can Lawson do? Would Red Bull be wary of basically repeating the De Vries mistake? 
yes, they've got a bigger sample size in terms of Lawson's races and they know him from, from his junior career and obviously they support him. But would there be the worry of the same same thing theoretically happening? And that's why they're like, well, we have a bigger data set with Ricardo. Perhaps the Sonoda one is, is the other one of like, they've got more experience and it, but then it totally skews the whole, yeah, young drivers being brought through things. So it it really depends what, what they want and what they need from, from AlphaTauri for next year. And it does seem like a pair of experienced hands that can put pressure on Ricardo because maybe they don't see Lawson ready for Red Bull 25, 24 or at all. So it's a case of, do you, do you risk it or, or do you go with something that, I guess is a bit more well-known. Interesting. Right, Phil, before we move on, do they end the season with the lineups they begin with? No, I think Liam Lawson will be in one of the seats by the end of next year. Whoa! Yeah, wow. yeah you went for it. Thank you. <laughs> you <laughs> went there. <laughs> Which is exactly why they wouldn't farm him out to Williams, because it's just a rebel way of doing things, of having somebody you know, in their pocket that can put pressure on, on uh, whoever's not performing. That's also what has impressed me about Lawson, by the way, is that on one hand, there's a performances that we can all see in the results, but there's also just his mindset, just talking to him. He's a bit Oscar Piastri-like in that sense, in that, in that he's very cool and very collected, very focused, doesn't get too distracted by all the talk about him now, all the hype. Because, you know, four months ago, nobody was talking about Liam Lawson, and he's suddenly been thrust into the limelight, and he's been really... You know, just be really cool, and I think he's also mentioned this uh, today. Actually, that is, uh, you know, I've been with the Red Bull family for four or five years. I've been under this pressure for four or five years. I've learned how to deal with it, so this is all fine. I'm, I can handle it. And that's the interesting thing that De Vries, the more he was put under pressure, the more he kind of overdrove the car. It's the problem we're seeing with Logan Sargent as well. The more he overdrives that car, the more mistakes he makes. And you know, look at Monza. His teammates scoring great points there. He was using an old aero package because he was already he'd broken the bits, and Williams haven't got unlimited money at this stage of the season to be overproducing parts to carry on giving Sargent stuff that he's breaking. So the more he's running an older spec, the more he's overdriving it, the more he's looking unlikely to be driving in Formula One next year. No silly season this year. Everyone's kind of signed up nicely. And you know, Red Bull would love to have a driver like Oscar Piastri in their, you know, in their program and having an option to them. And McLaren signed them up to the end of 2026 now. So to have Liam Lawson around, that's nice, nice problem to have. Right. Um actually I got one more question about Max Verstappen and Red Bull, but I got to take a break. But when we come back, I'll ask that, and then we'll get into McLaren. Stick around. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
All right. That was a tease, wasn't it? So, Alex, how would you feel about the Formula One World Championship being won during a sprint race? Because that's what can happen next time out by Max Verstappen. Yeah, just after Singapore, it looked like that awkward possibility had gone away and then Perez. I hate the idea, by Perez the way. So that's my... <laughs> Um, I'm, th- I'm thrilled for it. It's be hilarious. I, I well, all, all I'll say is that it, it, it sums up modern Formula One under its ownership structure of profit, profit, profit. Like that's what that's what they're that's what they're thinking is behind the sprint races is to increase TV audiences at a track in the Middle East where they're paying money to sport wash their image. So it's 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 F, it, you know it is the ultimate summary of F1 if Max Verstappen wins a world title in a sprint race in Qatar. And, and that's what sort of makes it quite sweet. And, he, and Verstappen even sort of dislikes sprints. So yeah, at the end of it, nice. almost regardless of what happens, you're like, oh, I've won the title, but on a Saturday in a thing I don't like. But uh, but let's be honest, he's, he's already he won the title about three months ago. So, you know, it's, yeah, the timing of it, is just uh, one of those things, but it was always was always going to happen. I, I, it's, a, it's a quirk of, of Formula One in this Monday, and Alex summed up very well. Let's get into McLaren properly. Really, really impressive, Phil. You're there in Japan. Did you speak to any of the McLaren team after the Grand Prix today? I saw the interviews with the drivers and Zach Brown, just absolutely elated because saw them raise this in separate places, mention it all individually. They feel they were second and third on merit, on pace. No one, well, Perez should have been in front of them, but no one, they didn't have to have a, a luck into that result. Phil, what do you think of McLaren? Yeah, I didn't actually speak to them after the race because they were in the top three press conference. And I'm usually found in the pen to speak to everybody that wasn't on the podium. Uh, but it's, it's you know, it, it definitely is a, a result of merit and it's been coming for a while. We've, We've had Lando on the podium a couple of times, Oscar on the podium in the sprint race in Spa. So ever since their sort of gradual summer makeover, they have been getting a lot stronger. They've always been quite good lately on in high downforce corners, not so much on the straights or on or in like the low speed corners. They're not that great there. And Suzuka is a bit of a, a mix of both. So we've got the first sector where the McLaren's are just mega this weekend absolutely fantastic and then they struggled a lot in the hairpin and in the in the sh- final chicane they were absolutely there on merit you see that teams like ferrari like mercedes don't always nail it on a weekend especially mercedes are quite slow out of the blocks often on fridays ferrari we've discussed this before you know they they don't even know which circuit they'll be strung at it's hard to predict for them McLaren never really made the most of that opportunity. I was going to say benefited, but it's it's all their their merit really. It's not down to what the others do. That's not under their control. They have really uh, put together a really good package. Don't forget that this is all just part of the in season restructuring that Andrea Stella Timos has has uh, committed to. They still have all these new facilities that are coming on stream. Uh, we've got a bunch of hires like uh, Rob Marsh from, from Red Bull starting in January. So just really, if you look at their trajectory, in theory, the best is still to come. Yeah, and I also think um, it, I, it's exactly what I said earlier, Phil, um, in terms of that if you had to pick a candidate to be Red Bull's closest challenger right now, why would you not pick McLaren? Um, Stella said after the race he doesn't think it's possible to get Red Bull at any track this year because unfortunately the tracks where McLaren are good are also the tracks where Red Bull are really good 
so I still think McLaren were very strong in Qatar. That's another track. There's not really any slow speed corners in Qatar, so you 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 lose the uh, the 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 element that that Phil, as you said, was a McLaren weakness. Austin should be all right. Mexico always a bit of a strange race because of the you know the the, the thin air up at altitude, and it'll be max downforce packages. So you think in theory that's a bit trickier, uh, and then you get into Brazil again should favour McLaren and sort of an efficient package, and Abu Dhabi is much more of a much more of a compromise, but. Yeah, there's there's nothing to fear for McLaren right now, and they just they just seem to be just seem to be getting everything right. I think the only sort of downside in Norris's race was the weird confusion over whether he could overtake Perez during the VSC because he was like, "Is this car damaged? Is it not damaged? What's going on?" And eventually, it, was, it wasn't clear though, was it? Like Perez no. didn't pull off and make clear, "Oh, I'm having a technical issue." He sort of hovered on the racing line and just got slower and slower. So. It's obviously Norris's point there. Like, do I overtake him? Get yeah. a penalty? What do I do? Yeah, exactly. It was it was just one of those unfortunate things. And uh, and I think race control eventually did say, yeah, it's absolutely fine. But it cost it cost Norris about five seconds of race time. But actually, that's the other point I really wanted to make about McLaren was just how good are its drivers? Like Oscar Piastri was so good today when he crossed the line, and the commentators were like, it's his first trip to the podium. I was I was shocked because I was like, it just feels like he's done this before. I know he was second in the sprint, right? But he's just so good. It, it's a, weird that he's still a rookie. That was, was his first podium. Like He should have had one at Silverstone, but for the circumstances of the race being different. So Piastri's just, just nailing it as a rookie, but he's not at Norris's level yet. He's There's quite a clear golf between them when it comes to race pace. Piastri's got the speed. We saw that in qualifying. But Norris was brilliant today. I, I'd argue he was better than Verstappen because of the differing, you know, differing machinery they've got. Not by much, not by much. If we're going to talk driver ratings, maybe Norris is a 10 candidate. Maybe Verstappen is 9.9 if we were allowed such cowardly decimal places, but we're not. Um, so yeah, just fantastic for McLaren that they've got this amazing driver lineup, that they are shining, that they're not driving into each other like they did at Monza, that they played the team game well with, uh, with, uh, with Piastri getting out of Norris's way. So yeah, it's all golden at McLaren right now. Can I also make the point and ask you guys as well? It seems to me like McLaren have instantly made the jump into being used to being back at the front because McLaren haven't really had a misstep that other teams yeah, make. I mean, there has been the odd moment. So, for example, like uh, Norris undercutting Piastri. I know he was defending against the Mercedes in Hungary, but it sort of just yeah. looks a little bit weird and things like that. But what what's interesting, and, and, then, and let's not forget them driving into each other in Monza because I mean Stella was <laughs> rightly absolutely <laughs> furious about it and and again we we praise Stella a lot but he's not afraid to uh to to say exactly what he thinks although I did I was amused because Phil's been helping me out with asking some questions for an upcoming autosport feature I was greatly amused to hear him compare Oscar Piastri to Michael Schumacher and Fernando Alonso and then said it would be wrong to make such comparisons between Max Verstappen and uh, and Michael Schumacher but anyway his drivers are fine but no one else whatever and um, let, let, let's go back to that Monza thing that's a that's a bit of a bit of a thing you, you don't want to want to have happening regularly and to you know a couple of races on they've sorted that out very quickly so there are little things but they're not letting them become bigger things they're not spiraling it's not you know everything's not being repeated so you know it, it's a bit it's a bit sort of okay yeah, I've, I've said everything's golden for McLaren right now it's still early stages you know things are good there will be properly down moments and that's when it really becomes key to you know either not make them again or to really understand the fundamental problems but yeah it's 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 all okay for mclaren right now 
I guess it's easier if you are in the technical team at McLaren or Aston Martin as well to look at the Red Bull and say, bloody hell, that car's quick. What are they doing? Then if you're Mercedes and you're coming off that long run, a little bit of, I know, I don't want to be insulting, maybe a little bit of pride in like, we know what we're doing here. Well, clearly the Red Bull philosophy has been the best and the teams that have moved towards it seem to have have benefited, Phil. And also, McLaren seem really open, Phil. You know, I saw uh, one of our fellow, fellow journalists, I'm not a journalist, one of your fellow journalists posted a picture online this weekend of other journos in the garage. Uh, and I couldn't help but notice Andrea Stella next to our own Jonathan Noble pointing at the rear wing. John had his dictaphone out. No, no, it's one of the mandated sessions that the teams have to do and spill the beans on their tech stuff. But it seems like McLaren have been through so many years in the wilderness that that they kind of come back and they're, you know, just more open to, like, here's our challenge, here here's what we've got to do, young drivers who are very personable, and it just seems like a nice atmosphere around the team as well. Do you get that vibe when you're talking to them, Phil? Uh, yeah, you do. Uh, they're definitely one of the most open, media-friendly teams on the grid. Um, and I think Andrea Stella is really a great example of that because uh, he's been really fantastic in terms of trying to explain difficult concepts to us um, poor journalists who are struggling to understand uh, all the ins and outs of the aerodynamics and and the ground effect and what have you and yeah he does do a great job in terms of trying to explain uh, in language that everybody can understand what's going on Um, the picture you saw was like I said, one of the the tech sort of viewings where uh, teams are sort of drawn out of the hat, so to speak, to show their new upgrades. And usually it's just a figurehead, one of the tech directors of what, or a team boss um, answering some questions. But yeah, McLaren are one of the teams that often sort of go above and beyond. And like you said, take the journalists to their garage literally point at the upgrades and say like well this is what that does and this is the flaw this is what we've changed here and that's why this is now a little bit better and i think yeah andrea stella has been really really uh, sort of a key tool for journalists in terms of not just uh understanding mclaren's performances but also in general how do teams approach these cars the ground effects if you have a question about how that works he's a good person to go to and ask from hey oh, why are ride hides so crucial why is this what is that he's, he's been really really helpful there excellent well we're going to get into ferrari mercedes aston and a good result for the alpines this weekend in a second like a quick break and back in the mode judy was boring hello then judy discovered jumbacasino.com it's my little escape now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere 
and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Oh, let's get into that big battle that was the sort of tightest battle to watch in the last third, last quarter of the Grand Prix today. Alex, we saw Charles Leclerc coming home fourth. Lewis Hamilton in fifth. Sainz in sixth. Russell seventh. And Alonso in eighth. Now we saw perhaps Leclerc reassert his authority this weekend at a good weekend science less good qualifying but seemed to have good pace on a Sunday the Mercedes battled on track we saw today even both going off track at, at times and some heated radio message but I think I'd be full of adrenaline as well so let's not hold that against him I think it's, there was nothing too bad in those those radio messages from from Russell Alonso could have been up there but they went with a really early stop to get rid of the softs from him and uh, and he felt like again on the radio Ah, a little bit knocked, but I think afterwards he calmed down and thought it's the best they could have done today. He held off, of course, the Alpines. That'll feel sweet. Alex, what did you make of those battles that we saw further back today? Yeah, I've got I've got something to say about all all three teams. Um, let's, oh, let's let's start with Ferrari. Uh, yeah, really interesting, and actually, it's more sort of I think I think Ferrari did okay strategy wise. I think you know they they had the hard tires because they know that's their weakness of tire degradation. It didn't look too bad. It does look like the progress they've made in that area uh, has. Been been has been genuine because compared to how they were say at silverstone compared to mclaren they're sort of they're 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 far away realistically but much better than they would have been earlier in the season so great progress there uh they got a bit snookered when it came to protecting from the undercut for leclerc and mercedes and things like that and uh and that that cost carlos science but science sort of put himself in that position by slipping back behind leclerc again and i haven't looked into the data i haven't seen anything to sort of confirm this but my feeling is that this track exposes the sort of reason why Leclerc ultimately is still the better driver. Not not by a reduced amount, you would have to say, compared to, compared to how we might have called it, you know, a season ago or the start of the season before things, you know, emerged as quite bad for Ferrari and Leclerc overdriving and things like that. But it's basically the Perez point again in the really high, on the really high speed courses, he seems to have the edge and like, when it comes to tracks that don't require the max downforce package and the rear is really loose, that's where he can handle it better than science. And now obviously you had Monza where that was the case and science was absolutely brilliant, but there's, there's fewer corners there. Like there's fewer of the real high speed ones that, that Verstappen and Leclerc and co when they were on absolute form can make a difference. So yeah, that's just my sort of feeling coming away from the race before I really get into digging into, into whether that's the case or not. Um, but the, the other thing I just wanted to say about Leclerc and it goes back to actually what we're saying right at the beginning of the podcast with the stewards, Thank goodness they came to a very sensible decision about track limits because by the letter of the law, his overtake on Russell was illegal. Like he was clearly outside the white line of the track and the white line defines the edge of the circuit. It's been the case since the start of 2022, right? So that could have been real. Leclerc should have handed that place back. If you you really go down on the rules, that would have been wrong. And I think George Russell probably would have felt it was wrong because it was fantastic driving from both drivers. And to have had that then unfold, I was texting Kevin Turner, my boss, our chief editor being like, here we go. Now now track limits rule and thankfully sense prevailed. So well done to the stewards on that. I've blasted them earlier on, but... Congratulations there. Um, Aston Martin, just very quickly, the love affair, the honeymoon period seems to be over. Like I, I, I take Fernando Alonso's point, I say things in the heat of the moment. Yeah, do you remember the GP2 engine thing that you were saying, oh, no, everyone you were saying does. here to make a point? Yeah, 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 yeah. Again, as I've said it on the previous podcast, with these team radio things, you're right, Martin, it's said in the heat in the moment, but they want to have their cake and eat it too. They just all do. Uh, he would not have said, you throw me to the lions on strategy 
earlier on in the season while things were going well. He just wouldn't have said it. And I think the frustration is now starting to come out from Fernando Alonso. And it happens at every team, doesn't it? That when things aren't going brilliant, when things aren't all shiny and new, he does get frustrated. So yeah, that said, a, a very unlucky race for Aston. They had a rear wing failure in Lance Stroll's car meant that Alonso couldn't drive in the in the style that he wanted and attacking the curbs after that. So an awkward, unfortunate race uh, for, for for Aston. And then Mercedes tried something with George Russell. It didn't quite come off. The others were like, actually overtakings. It's certainly much easier than Singapore. It's over, it's, it's, it's okay. That's why like McLaren, for example, didn't think a one-stop was really possible because they knew they could get by. Mercedes didn't really have a lot to lose there. It made it quite entertaining for everyone. Um, but the only other thing is, is Lewis Hamilton. It's quite a weird race because, Phil, I don't know. Was Hamilton's car damaged? Has, has, that, has that come out at all? I, have, I just haven't seen that anywhere. Um, he didn't say who it was. Like he, he, at, at the start, he thought it, it might have been. But at the end of the day, yeah, I don't think they saw anything, no. Fair, fair enough. Okay. Well, that that is just interesting because it just that, that weird off out of the Degna corner that Russell nearly came by, and then it just looked like something was was wrong. And you could you could see obviously Perez's car got damaged in that collision with the first corner. It'd be logical to expect maybe a bit of floor damage for Lewis. He was on the grass, uh, but if they're not saying it is, then then unfortunate. Okay, it's just a sort of a bit of a sloppy race for Lewis, really. And I think had that been another driver and not his teammate you know, forcing him off at spoon, that would have been a penalty. So yeah, a, a bit of a, a bit of a weird one, but again, you know, we still see even with, even on his down days, Lewis Hamilton is still fantastic. Um, and he's very close with him and George Russell now. And I think that's credit to what Russell's done to, to bounce back from what was a pretty tricky period in the middle of the year. Yeah, but Hamilton's also only 33 points behind Sergio Perez in the battle for second in the World Championship. Red Bull never had that one-two in the Drivers' Championship. And, uh, you know, if Perez costs them that with, the, the, with this car. Anyway, uh, but also I should have mentioned that the points difference in the teams before today's event was 74 five perhaps between McLaren and Aston Martin as in the gap that McLaren had to make up McLaren with an awesome one the two three are now 49 points behind Aston Martin in the team's championship for bragging rights in the pit lane yeah but for the money that comes with that finishing fourth behind Red Bull Mercedes Ferrari and then it could be McLaren should have mentioned that earlier and we had the McLaren discussion I lose 10 podcast host points won't happen again um but Hayden yeah on the drivers championship Hamilton you know could argue fifth is the best he's going to do today you could argue that Mercedes stopped racing each other they could have held off the Ferraris more because that the battle is Hayden it's it's with the Ferraris you know they they know that they know that they they want to get second in the championship. Ferrari aren't that far behind. Hamilton could get Perez for second in the, in the drivers. Russell was on the one stop. So you start to kind of, you know, when you get a different strategy like that, you think, come on, you're not really racing each other. What are your thoughts on, yeah, the kind of Mercedes, Ferrari, Aston battle and the Alpines not far behind uh, today, albeit, you know, swapping their drivers around and Gasly going apoplectic on the radio at the end. Yes, it, it continues to swing between those teams right behind uh, Red Bull. Uh, I just want to pick up on those podcast points. Uh, is there a standings on that at the end of the season? Can we can we see them, hopefully? Because yeah, I, 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 this first I've heard of them, but no, it'd be great. I always get 25 points, uh, 26 actually, for doing a great intro uh, as the yeah, bonus good. point. I always, you know, I always nail it, much like Max, but I'll take the, This is my Singapore, basically. Uh, so I'll take that this time, but I'll be back next time in two weeks. Uh, taking, are you the, taking your penalty now or are you going to carry it over to, go, to Qatar? <laughs> 
I'll be back on Monday to take my penalty so it doesn't affect Qatar. Hopefully I'm not the Logan Sargent of the uh, podcast points <laughs> you, table you, for this. You know you are but, absolutely not. But uh, yeah, it's, yeah it's, it, as you've seen all season, swings uh, between those teams behind Red Bull and, and then mentioned earlier, uh, McLaren certainly making great gains and, and being the second fastest team there. Like I think it was after the... Uh, restart from the summer break they needed to average 10 I think it was between I mean, 10 12 points per round to overhaul Aston Martin which on the face of it and given that they weren't necessarily fighting for podiums uh, consistently that was a huge it would have been a huge ask um, as a as an average points overhaul compared to a, a, a direct rival but you look at it now and uh, okay the average is, is is a shade under that so they still need to go at this decent rate but but they're doing it, and like you said, they, they they should continue to stay strong and and be picking up some decent points uh, at the races to come. Whereas Aston Martin are going the other way in terms of their development and their performance. And obviously, with the the I say this in the nicest way possible, but the handicap of having Lance Stroll in the second in the second car because he just yeah he had okay and an unlucky race today, but again poor qualifying never really looked like he was gonna be in the, the points uh, hunt, or at least significant points hunt. So he had a it good does... start, though. I'll give, I'm hard on Stroll, but he had a great start and made up places on that first lap. But Sure, but yeah. that's only because he qualified so poorly. That's true. And was on starting on the soft And there were like two massive incidents ahead of him. Anyway. Yeah, yes. yeah. So like, granted, yes, he, he did make those places, but then everything sort of was caused by that and other areas. Um, so anyway, yes, I, that, that battle does... Okay, it's only for four say the constructors, but I think that's quite intriguing. And how that plays out will be we find you would say just purely on momentum and, and how things are going over the past well, since some break. Uh, McLaren should surely have that in their sights, um, which arguably is sort of where they probably thought they were going to be. If you rewind before, they had this sort of terrible car that they admitted to having at the start of the year. Um, yeah, and like you say, it to and fro is very close between Mercedes and Ferrari. Um, I yes, four, four points that Ferrari gained on on Mercedes this this weekend. You'd think because they are much much closer, as long as they they both neither of them has any disastrous races, it's it's going to stay nip and tuck between them. But yeah, that, that'll be a curious one to fight. But it is again for runners up. I, you ask either team, they they probably won't really care that much at the end of the day. Can I can I just jump in on um mm. the the possibility of Hamilton beating Perez to second in the Constructors' Championship. Mm. I, I actually think Perez is still favourite to secure that purely because it's the, the other reason why we don't have a title battle this year other than Perez not being at Verstappen's level is because everybody else just takes points off each other. There's no, there's no consistent second best team, right? There hasn't been since Aston really went off the boil, you know, sort of uh, towards the end of the first half of the season. And it's just... It's 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 just looking more like you know Lewis Hamilton's still brilliant. Mercedes on the day when everything goes right and in the right conditions, they're fantastic. But they need very specific ones to to, to really make up big points. And Perez has still got a Red Bull, and I still think there are still going to be some Red Bull one twos this year. And it's so good. That's why I just think it's it's le- it's it's not as nailed on as you think it might be that someone could pip him to second. I would say. Yeah, I, I, I'd very much agree with that. And again, you, you'd sort of need Perez to have a repeat of what he's just had this weekend, but perhaps twice. And that's on the, the fact that, yeah, Hamilton will finish in top five, top four podiums in those races to, to overhaul that sort of points margin. 
it was a race where we saw five retirements, a double finish uh, retirement for Williams with uh, Sargent going out first and then Albon not long after. That's uh, a really bad day for them. But so what with the Stroll retirement as well because of that rear wing failure, Perez retiring, coming out, retiring again. And uh, Bottas was the first one to go out. We don't... Maybe it's just me. I don't tend, we don't tend to see those races of attrition as much in modern Formula One. Drivers tend to keep their heads. Can, can you call it a race of attrition when they were all accident damage? Really? That's a good point. It, These aren't engines you know, that, going bang. You know, it's, yeah, you're right. The, the sort of race I think was summed up by Guan Yu Zhou doing absolutely nothing wrong, and then all of the carbon fiber in front of him just blowing up at the first corner and taking his wing out. That's the sort of race it was. It was one of those races where. Very, very, very good drivers made very, very, very bad mistakes. And that's why they ended up with quite a lot of retirements. I don't I don't necessarily think it was a sort of oh, it was weird, they're all sort of breaking down. Does that does that does that you think that's right? Yeah, it's not like one where it's massively hard on, you know, the power units or that kind of yeah. thing. So that's the wrong phrase, yeah, not a race of attrition. But to see five cars, you know, go out is is it not not common. Um, these days, and, and we don't see too many bits of carbon fibre flying around um, too much uh, compared to some eras of F1 that's been a bit crash bang um, wallop. But uh, but yeah, I, I think you're right on Perez. If he can just keep his head and and try and stay ahead of Hamilton, that's easier to do than perhaps the Aston McLaren battle for fourth in the constructors, where they, you've got two cars a greater ability to score points and you know you've got that momentum it's swinging isn't it swinging in the favor of mclaren on pace and aston struggling there so just to finish off and uh, oh i was just in i'm in the wrong screen i was looking at penalty points of which yes it's worth mentioning that uh, perez is now on seven but he does get his next points dropped next week i think so he gets a couple of points dropped but nobody wants to be heading up there uh, in that Territory, having a look at the lower reaches. I mentioned the two Alpines. They'll be delighted, finishing both in the points, Ocon and Gasly. Liam Lawson, just outside the points again. We've talked about him already on the podcast, doing everything he had to do. Yuki Sonoda confirmed this weekend for 24 in the Alpha Tower, coming home 12th. Joe, as Alex mentioned, in 13th. The two Hasses in 14th and 15th are Final classified runners, Hulkenberg and then Magnussen, who was, as we say, biffed off. So we head to, well, actually worth mentioning, we're going to be back here really soon because Japan is the fourth race next year after Aussie, I think, not having a look at the calendar in front of me. So uh, an early April, late March, early April return to Suzuka, which will be a different time of year. Uh, we'll wait and see. It's a great circuit to go to. So that's always good to go back there. Uh, right, final Final uh, races, six more to go uh, this season. What can we expect then from Qatar? Alex, you getting on the plane to go and cover that one for us? What do we expect of the, you know, the surface? Uh, who it will uh, benefit? What kind of race we can expect at that circuit? I mean, it's a, a circuit that sort of treats cars and bikes a bit different. Actually, I don't think we're going to be in for a stunner in terms of overtaking. What do you think? Well, the one thing I can tell you for absolutely certain is that last time we were there in 2021, all the F1 photographers absolutely hated it. Because it's not like Bahrain, where they've recognised the tracks in the middle of the desert and they've painted some some of the sort of rocks and and there's a nice like sort of water feature, you know, rocky areas as well, and it's it sort of looks a little bit interesting. In Qatar, there was absolutely nothing, and the photographers are like, "There's no interesting shots here. At least it's a night race. We get the sparks, things like that." Uh, but yeah, I, I think I said it earlier. It's it's a very quick track. It is a bike track. It's 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 the the actual sort of circuit between the white lines is quite narrow for the drivers but there's acres of runoff all around them so I just think this will be a, a repeat of Suzuka I think I think Red Bull will be crushingly dominant um, McLaren will be very very good Ferrari 
we'll hopefully see a bit more of their progress as I think they've made on, on tyre management. And I think Aston Martin, Fernando Alonso is already saying this is going to be a struggle. It's a similar sort of thing uh, for Mercedes. So yeah, that, that, that that's my sort of pecking order prediction. And obviously, Max Verstappen will win the race in the sprint race. Sorry, win and win the championship as well. Championship. My, what my actual point was that I forgot half of yeah. the attendance because, yeah. of, uh, as Hayden said, we knew that Max was going to win this title sort of three months yeah. ago. Similar thoughts to Alex, really. Um, maybe a couple of differences in that Qatar is maybe you know, less uh, dependent on aero efficiency. So a lot of a lot of corners, a lot of high speed corners, but not that many flat out ones or long straights. There's one main straight, so. Yeah, I think probably McLaren will be really good there. Also, not that many slow corners, so they'll be really good. I think because it's not as efficiency dependent, maybe Aston will be slightly better than they have been this weekend, but we'll have to wait and see. Um, again, Ferrari, Mercedes, it's always really hard to to predict what they're going to do. It's a different tarmac. Well, that it'll be a night race, so will the track and the ambient temperatures have cooled off a bit by the time we get to qualifying and the race will that help teams that are struggling with their tyres like Ferrari possibly but there's still quite a few question marks on that one Hayden before we go uh, a couple of weeks off now well uh, just sort of a weekend free of Formula 1 but loads of reasons to go to autosport.com things like the driver ratings will be out on uh, on Monday even though we're sort of done really early on Sunday because of the time difference but uh, lots of stuff check out on the website as you are editor of auto the legendary autosport.com uh, for us to go and have a look at to to fill the gap the, the, the legendary autosport.com I'll put that on the side <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah no that's right we'll have uh, all the best things from from our reporters and everyone uh, in the team as you said yeah driver ratings uh, report analysis and the weekly columns coming up um, so yeah looking forward to it um yeah, <laughs> you say a week off. It doesn't feel like it, but I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. We've still got Absolutely. still got six six Formula One races to go. I'm going to tick them off. Don't worry. <laughs> there we go. Well, that is our podcast for the Japanese Grand Prix. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to have your say, uh, you can certainly do so. You can drop by one of the videos that we make on our YouTube channel. Leave a comment there. You can also email podcast at autosports.com and uh, maybe leave your thoughts, questions that you want our experts to answer on a future edition of the podcast as well. Well, thank you so much for listening this week, and we'll catch you on the next one. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.